the school is out. Which means it's time for Hi Kids. Good afternoon and welcome to the Hi Kids show. Thank you for choosing 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids, for Kids, by Kids. My name is Buria Katz and I am your host for today. Coming up on Hi Kids today, I will be interviewing David Zimmerman. He is a plumber. So stay tuned to 101.9 Chai FM to find out more about what plumbers do. Get ready for a very exciting show on Chai Kids today. You're listening to Chai Kids on 101.9 Chai FM. This is Chai Kids, for Kids, Bar Kids. My name is Buria Katz and I'm 12 years old. I have David Zimmerman in studio with me. So send your questions to 34519 or WhatsApp to 61 895-1019. Good afternoon. Hi, Bria. Good afternoon. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for coming to the studio with me. Great pleasure. Can you tell me a bit about yourself, your plumbing business? Right. So my name is David Zimmerman. Um, I started plumbing in 1994. Oh, wow. After I came out of school. Um, I did a bit of a marketing course first, and then I went into my father's plumbing business. And um, My business is called Advanced Plumbers. And I'm an, actually a third-generation plumber after my dad, who actually passed away last year, and my grandfather previously. Uh, the business was started in 1935, and uh, if you do the maths, it comes out to, I think, about 84 years. Um, yes. That's amazing. So even though your father passed away, which I'm very sorry about that, you're carrying on his business. That's yep. amazing. Thank you. Yeah. Very, very, very nice to be doing that. Did he train you to become a plumber? Yes, I was apprenticed to him. Oh, wow. That must have been very interesting for you. Did you always want to do plumbing as a young kid, seeing what your father was doing? Yeah, you know, one always wants to do what one's parents do, and uh, the time was right, and uh, that's what we decided to, what we decided to do. That's true. Are, you, are any of your children interested in, interested in, plumbing, in plumbing? Actually, I have one little son who might be interested, but uh, time will tell, and we'll see what happens down the line. I think you really you can't really tell about when you're a child, what you want to do. I think I've changed what I want to become about 20 times. <laughs> okay. First of all, a teacher. I think all little kids want to be a teacher at the beginning of their lives. Yeah, and boys firemen or... Something like that. Yeah, something like that. And can you tell us what plumbing is? Okay, so plumbers, what plumbers do is that they install and repair water supply lines, waste disposal systems and related appliances and fixtures to keep homes and businesses flowing smoothly. Uh, being a plumber is very physically demanding. I'm Work sure. can be quite stressful and quite physically difficult. Um, however, you can always hear the, the story of someone wakes up in the morning and their geysers burst or their pipes burst or their drains blocked and the plumber walks through the door and they say, oh, my hero, my knight in white satin. And uh, that goes true for plumbing. So what? how do geysers burst? Okay, so we're actually in the time now, being winter, that it's a lot colder in the early mornings and the, and the late evenings. And actually quite simply how a geyser works is it's a cylinder that contains water that gets heated like a, geez, like a kettle. And it has an element and a thermostat inside it. And uh, when water goes into the cylinder, it starts heating. And when it's, just, when it's reached its temperature, it stops heating and then one can use the hot water. So in winter, because it's so cold, 
And when one runs a hot water tap, cold water replaces the hot water, and the hot water is forced out the top of the geyser. So in winter, the water is so cold because it's winter that it can sometimes shock the geyser because you've now got water of 65, 70 degrees and ice-cold water maybe of 4 degrees mixing together. And that, that mix of the, of the hot and cold water can cause the cylinder to sometimes burst. So then, I mean, some geysers are like in your roof. And some geysers are on top of your house. Exactly. Which is called the solar geyser, which is exactly. heated by the sun. Exactly. So what would happen if a solar geyser burst where you just see water all over your house? Okay, so a geyser, mostly in South Africa, the geysers are installed inside the roof, which is actually the best place to put a geyser because it's out of the way. And uh, should it burst, that's when the problem comes in, and you have a drip tray underneath, that's fine. If you don't have a drip tray underneath, then the geyser is going to continue spurting water out until the plumber is called in a panic and he comes to isolate it and replace it and drain it and take it out the roof, etc. If you do have a drip tray, is the drip tray inside your geyser? Yes, it's like if you can picture the lid of a shoebox. And if you turn the shoebox around, the lid is like the tray and the shoebox is like the geyser. So when it bursts, the water dribbles into the tray and then the water from the tray dribbles to the outside of the house, which is an alarm bell and, and a signal that, that your geyser's burst and to call the plumber immediately. So you would still know if your geyser burst? Yes. So would. I was just thinking if it's dripping onto a tray, then how would you ever know that it burst? And because that the tray has an outlet problem. and the outlet is running to the exterior of the house. So you'll just be walking around the house and see water gushing out the, 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 the overflow pipe and that would tell you that there was something wrong with the geyser and that needs to be replaced. I think a geyser burst can be very serious. I mean, I know someone who, they were on holiday actually, and a geyser burst, and the, they said, so their family went there to try and help them or fix it or whatever, and they said they have stairs. They said it was literally like a waterfall coming down the stairs. I obviously didn't have that drip tray that you've been explaining to me. I know, where a drip tray is definitely essential when one installs a geyser. Sometimes the water is, is so great, the overflow of the water, that... The ceiling can collapse, all your carpets, your wooden floors, your furniture. It can all be a complete massive mess and a huge insurance claim. I'm sure. I mean, water can cause a lot of damage. Do you think that water is, I mean, a bit harmless, obviously, if you go into the sea, it can be a bit less harmless. But, you know, you don't understand how much damage a water can water can cause. You can might have to, like, replace your entire roof. Exactly. In the room where it was. Exactly. And if, so if a solar geyser burst, would it... Would it run down the roof? So sometimes we have solar geysers that go on top of the roof because they need the panels to be facing the sun. Um, a solar geyser, like I said earlier, when one opens a hot water tap, the cold water re- replaces the hot water and forces the hot water out the geyser. So um, where, where does it come out with the well, solar geyser? No, what happens is like what I said, and when the cold water in winter comes in, it gives a shock for the geyser sometimes and can cause it to burst. But the beauty of a solar geyser is the strength of the sun and the power of the sun can cause that cold water to become a lot warmer, so it's energy saving. But when a solar geyser bursts on the roof, it's going to leak on the tiles and not into the house. But it needs to be on the roof because it needs the sun. Would it damage the tiles of the roof? No, it's like when it rains, the water will just trickle onto the tiles. Oh, and I didn't even think of that. Yeah, and then again, you'd have the water leaking from outside and you'd be alarmed by that and you'd call your plumber and you'd attend to that problem. So, what can you explain to us what the basic plumbing is in, in someone's home? Okay, so in, the, in, a, in a nutshell, and the best way to describe it is when one builds a house or a block of flats or a complex, um, the municipality give you two points. The first one is your water meter. 
Your water meter allows your cold water, your potable water, which is drinking water, to come into the house. And then from then on, the plumber will, with a network of piping in the walls, take the water pipes to wherever they need to feed. And the second thing that the municipality give you is your municipal connection, your sewerage connection. So between your water connection and your sewerage connection, you've got to pipe to kitchen sinks, to toilets, to bidets, to baths, to showers. And that will be your potable water that you use. And then all that water, once you've had your shower or you've pulled, flushed the toilet or you've discharged your bath, all that water accommodates and accumulates into a sewerage system, which is also a network of piping which run underneath the, underneath the ground. And that ultimately ends up into the sewer connection, your municipal connection. So you've got your water coming in and your sewerage and effluent and grey water going out. And you can't, you can't make those pipes overlap. No. So the thing with a water pipe is is that it's pressurized. The water system is pressurized. However, the sewerage system is not pressurized. The only way that the, the sewerage water or the effluent or waste that we call it gets out the pipe is through the force of gravity. So the pipes have to have a sufficient slope on them for the water and for the sewerage to run out into the sewerage network and system. So do, do they have to do they have to have a slope all the way to the sewerage? All system? the way to the end, there has to be a sufficient slope, not too small the slope, so that the water doesn't flow, and not too great because then all the toilet paper and all the contents of the toilet will remain behind, and the water will just discharge on its own. Oh wow! So, so it's got to be one hundred percent the right slope. That sounds like quite a complicated thing to be able to figure very, out. Very complicated. So is it the same, the same degree of a slope in every house or is it different? Does um, it? it should be more or less a similar, a similar slope, yes. Wow, that's very interesting. You never think that plumbing can be so complicated. <laughs> you know, you flush the toilet and then you finish and you move on and you open the tap. You want to have a cup of coffee and fill up your kettle. But a lot of work and a lot of time goes into setting all these things up for them to be successful. And do you have to work with a different professional when you're doing plumbing, let's say an engineer, to design the tap for you? Yeah, so plumbers work very, very closely with builders and electricians who do the electrical side of the work. Um, tilers, plasterers, um, sometimes engineers when you have to excavate or do a big excavation to run a sewerage line that may need an engineer's stamp of approval. That can happen sometimes. Can you explain to me what ex- excavation means? Excavating is when one has to put a pipe or a drain or a sewer line under the ground, first one has to dig up a sufficient trench um, into the soil so that you can lay your pipe into that trench. So excavating simply means digging up a trench. Like a hole? To a com- yes. to a com- Not a hole as much as a hole, more like a trench, a long hole that's going like to accommodate the pipe. Exactly. That's going to accommodate the pipe. And then once the trench is dug and the pipes are laid, then the soil is returned and the trench is closed up, and then people plant grass or pave or whatever they want to do on top of it. Very interesting. Does it have to be a certain amount under the ground? Uh, depending on your municipal connection, the height, the depth of your municipal connection, and depending on um, the, the height of your home or whatever it might be, and the stand and the land, that has to all be done together. They work hand in hand. Well, because it can't be too... Too high because then it will interfere. And then yes, and it can't be too deep because it's, it's got to be in line with the municipal connection. That municipal connector that the municipality give you is what you're bound by and that you've got to arrange everything according to that. They don't move for you, you move for them. Yeah. 
very complicated stuff. I'm sure. But very important nonetheless. So a planner can't work by himself. They have to have... They have to work with other professionals. Yeah, so uh, uh, the nature of plumbing is a very, it's very physical work. It's very tiring work. Um, I always think to myself how people in countries where it's cold, like Canada or Alaska, how plumbers survive in countries like that because 90% of our work is done outside. And how does one work outside when it's minus 30 degrees? Gee. So it's quite, it's quite challenging and very hard work. And one has to be very hard working and strong to, to take on the, the work of a plumber. But um, most plumbers have assistants and people who work for them and with them. And um, as a team, one gets along and one does what they have to do. I'm sure. So it sounds like plumber, uh, like plumbing really does, demands a lot of things out of the plumber. Yes, it does. Certainly does. And I'm sure you also have to uh, map out the plumbing of the house before you do it. Yeah. Making sure that all the lines are going to... Go where they need to, all the pipes are going to connect to the municipal, whatever it is. Exactly. As long as your water lines are done correctly and your sewage pipes are done fine, there could be one bathroom, two bathrooms, ten bathrooms, twelve bathrooms, it all works and, and it's all got to be done correctly and make, make sure that it's all done right. And hopefully it won't break. Hopefully it won't. You know, in the old days, um, before the advent of copper piping and plastic piping, Plumbers used to use, for water mains, they used to use galvanized piping. This galvanized piping was very labor-intensive because if you wanted to join two pipes together or change a direction with what we call an elbow or a T-piece, you'd have to cut a thread. And cutting of a thread is a very, very time-consuming and exhausting job. It requires a lot of strength and a special um, set of tools called a stocks and die. Um, whereas nowadays we work with copper piping or plastic piping and that's rolled out in 100-meter lengths as opposed to 5-meter lengths. So the job is a lot more simple than it used to be, a lot easier, but still has to be done according to specifications and the correct plumbing codes. I'm sure. And it sounds so interesting. I'm really learning a lot about plumbing that I never knew before, and I hope to learn more after the song break. You're listening to Hi Kids on 101.9 Hi FM. This is Hi Kids, for Kids, Bar Kids. My name is Bruria Katz, and I am 12 years old. So I want to know, how does a pipe burst? Okay, so like I said earlier, um, in the old days, the, I say the old days like, like it's like I'm so old, um, like, I suppose before 1980, the water pipes under the ground and in the walls were made of galvanized metal. Um, galvanized metal were very good, the very thick wall on the pipe and a very good lifespan. The only thing was that, is that galvanized oxidizers, which is another word for rusts. And um, that's what happens when a, when a pipe bursts. It, the, the wall of the pipe, pipe thins and rusts, and then the water starts gushing out. Um, these things can obviously be fixed by a competent plumber, and they can excavate, like I explained before, dig a hole around the pipe, and cut out the section that's corroded and rusted, and put in a new section of piping. Um, again, like I said earlier, um, the cold weather that we're experiencing, we get two things for plumbers, burst geysers and burst pipes, which is for us the highlight of our year because it's the, the busiest time for plumbers. That's very interesting. So winter causes a lot of burst pipes and geysers. Correct. The cold water certainly does. Sometimes the pipes can even freeze and the water doesn't come through because there's a big mess of ice stuck oh, in the wow. pipe. That's very interesting. Mm. But I'm sure that would be only when it's very cold. Yeah. That would make the 
the actual water freeze inside the geyser into a block of ice. Well, not the geyser, more so the pipes, because the geyser is insulated, and it has like an insulation around it to prevent that. But the pipes under the ground or on the surface on a wall could freeze, and they do. Wow, that's very interesting. So do you ever get burst pipes or geysers in the summer? One does. Um, like I said, the pipes, are, they get oxidized and they rust, and that corrosion process is what causes them to, to burst. So that's, that's very interesting. I never really thought about why geyser bursts until uh, I started speaking to you. It's very interesting to know. So it's rusting or cold? Correct. Or the winter? Corrosion and the cold weather. And what causes a pipe or toilet or sink to block? Okay. Um, wastewater and, and effluent water and sewage water doesn't, it, it, it runs through the pipe through the force of gravity. So there's nothing stopping the water from building up or backing up. Very often what happens is in a garden or under the ground where the sewer pipes run, um, there can be often a lot of trees in a garden or on a driveway. And the roots from the trees are attracted to the water in the sewage pipes. Why? Because it's like natural fertilizer what flows through the, the, the sewage pipes. And often the tree roots are attracted to this natural fertilizer or the water and it attracts the roots into the pipe so if there's a little weakness or a little crack in one of the pipes a little seed could get through that little crack and a, a whole network and a whole maze of roots can start growing inside the pipe wow so that would block it yeah so like i said it's just the force of gravity that carries that water so if there's something in the way and the water can't pass then you have a blockage and then the water starts building up and backing up until the toilet starts filling up and overflowing, and then it can be quite a quite a messy business. I'm sure. And that p- people put things in the in their drains or in their sinks, like cups. I don't know things it's, that they're not meant to put in their drains. Yeah, it's very important to know. No matter who says they that you can or that um, it's, it's permissible, the only two things that should go into a toilet. One is a tissue. Or toilet paper. Those are the only two things that should be flushed into a toilet because they're biodegradable, tissues and toilet paper. And what happens is when they come into contact with water, they break down into fibers. And so it's not just a big chunk of, of, of paper going through the pipe. And um, often people will use wet wipes for their babies and throw those down the toilet, which are no good because wet wipes aren't biodegradable and they don't break down and they could cause, could hook onto a little root or something under the ground and that could cause a blockage. That's very interesting. So you mustn't put your wet wipes in the toilet. Only two things are permissible in a toilet, toilet paper and tissues. So everything else is an sanitary, sanitary pads, um, wet wipes, foodstuffs. Forbidden nappies, the very worst. I'm we actually sure. once pulled a chicken out of a drain. A chicken, a f- like a full chicken. No, it was a frozen chicken. Ech, that's disgusting. In a, in a packet, not a live chicken. Good. It must have <laughs> fallen in the drain outside. But when, when you pull a, ch- a chicken out of a drain, it's quite quite something to see, and it's quite funny. In fact, that's quite disgusting. I thought you meant a live chicken. I was like, ew. A few live fish we pulled out before. Fish? Where do those come from? And the, the sewer line goes into a sewer farm ultimately. So there's again a network of piping under our roads and under our, under our properties and all the sewage is linked into a common place. Um, I don't know if you know on the N3 traveling on the highway between, between Lingsfield Road and, um, Marlborough where the highway splits to go to the West Rand and to Pretoria, there's a massive blue pipeline running next to the highway. 
Well, you guessed it. That's Johannesburg sewerage flowing from Johannesburg to the to the sewer um, farm. And uh, sometimes what happens is tributaries of rivers and that get intercepted. And uh, very often, quite a couple of times, we actually pulled fish out of out of sewerage drains. Oh, that's quite gross. Yeah. <laughs> so they come from the rivers, the fish. Yes, they swim upstream and they get somehow into the drains. Wow. That's very interesting. I would never think that you would pull animals out of a, of a, out of a park. Hey, I don't, I don't know. Oh, that's another thing. Oh, that's another paper. very funny thing that, um, we, we, we work for a particular lady and she, she wears a shuttle, you know, being high FM and all. And, um, once we went to her house, she had a blocked basin and, uh, she was so concerned. Why is the drain blocked and why can't the, why are we calling you all the time? And I actually pulled out a wad of hair. From um, her basin Because she obviously washes her hair in the basin And I joked with her that there was sufficient hair That we took out for her to make a new shuttle <laughs> Anyway <laughs> That's very funny That's quite funny, yeah And ha- has has anything like small and important or something Fell into the drain? Yeah, that's actually very, very, very funny A couple of years ago a lady called me And she said, David, come quick I was washing my hair in the basin And my earring fell out It was a diamond earring that her, diamond her husband earring. had bought her and she was in a complete state. She had one earring in her ear and the other one was in the basin. So we went out and um, the very interesting thing about um, plumbing is that when one has a basin or a bath or a shower or a toilet, there's something that's installed underneath called a U-bend. It's called a rubber trap, a waste trap. Now, this thing is in the shape of a U and the function of the U is that there's always water inside it. So um, if there wasn't water, you would have the smell of the drain permeating into the house, which is obviously a no-no. And thank goodness for that U-bend, the weight of the diamond fell into the U-bend and didn't go out into the into, into the underground sewage system. And uh, to her ex- excitement, we managed to pull out the earring for her. Wow, that's amazing. So you actually managed to find someone's diamond earring. Yep, we did that once. Another fr- another client of mine had a, a very bad eye condition, and he had to have a very specialized hard contact lens inst- in, um, inserted into his one eye. And when he was washing his face the one day, it popped out and also fell into the base, and then we managed to retrieve it as well. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. I was thinking um, if my contact lens fell into the basin I will not like call a plumber to get it out but if it's a specialized contact lens that you I don't know that's probably very expensive then yeah exactly wow that's fun and games every day brings a new challenge every day brings a new experience it's what we love about our work I'm sure so do you have like a a daily schedule things that you do on and often on a daily basis Okay, so I have an office that's based near Dornfontein in Johannesburg. The staff that work for me are all, they all have flats or homes in the vicinity. So I don't want them to have to um, travel too far to work. So that's why my office is right there nearby to where they stay. And um, every morning I'm at my office extremely early. I get to my office sometimes quarter to seven. Wow. Um, I've got admin to do, invoicing to do, quotations to do. And then my staff start arriving, and we're generally ready to leave for our jobs from about 8 to 8.15 in the morning. Do you go to all the jobs? I'm present at all our jobs, and um, my clients like it. I think I've spoiled them over the years, but when I'm not there, they're not happy, and they like to see my face. So, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting because, I mean, plumbers often go into your bedroom, into your private bathroom, whatever, so you kind of need to have a plumber that, you, plumber that you trust. Exactly. And if your plumber comes without, like the plumber that you know comes just with his workers, you're not going to be very happy. A very important aspect with me in my business is is that aspect of trust. 
Your client needs to trust you and you need to trust your client. You need to trust your employees and your staff who work for you. Because like we just said, we, um, we work in people's very, very um, delicate parts of their homes, like their bathrooms, under their basins, in their bedrooms. And uh, never want anything to go missing or to be accused of pinching anything or anything like that. And I'm proud to say that in the 25 years that I've been in my business, we've never had one instance of anything going missing. Or So my clients know when David is there, it's all good. That's amazing. That's very good that you haven't had any things like that. It definitely makes you more trustworthy. Thank you. So you've been you've been doing this business for twenty years. Twenty five years. Twenty five years. Yep. Wow. And when your father was still alive, did was he still working in the business with you? Yeah. So, um, my dad started plumbing in about uh, nineteen sixty, and his father started in nineteen thirty two or nineteen thirty five. So who better than your father or your grandfather to teach you a trade or to teach you your profession? And uh, you know, being a one man show like I am. And um, dependent on my calls every day, uh, holiday was always a, a luxury for us because um, if you're not there and you're away and people need you, it's a problem. But my loving, kind, darling father used to always step in and uh, allow us to go on our family holiday and uh, he would be able to do and to run the business as well, if not better than I could. And then I'd come home and the holiday would be enjoyed and back to work again. That's amazing. So do plumbers have an actual degree? Okay, so there's no degree for plumbing. Plumbers have to go to trade school, um, and then they have to write a trade exam. And they um, very important with a plumber, and it's very clever. A plumber has to be apprenticed to a plumbing company. There's no way that one can be taught plumbing. You have to see it, and you have to live it, and you have to do it yourself. So where theory is very important, the practical aspect is the whole the whole thing. So... You get almost like a certificate kind of thing that says you're a plumber? Yes. You get, a, you get papers and a plumbing certificate, and that's, that's, how, it, and that's how it is. So definitely uh, practical experience is probably the most useful thing that you'll ever have in your learning experience. Yeah, exactly. In any trade, be it electrical, plumbing, carpentry, tool and die making, whatever it might be, practical experience is everything. That's why it's very good to shadow somebody's job, especially, I mean, before if you're deciding if you want to do that job and after once you've already gotten your degree, just to get some experience and see some of the situations they're in and how they handle them. Correct. It's very important. Very, very important. And also, by shadowing somebody, one can realize if it's for them or not. And would you recommend someone to become a plumber? Okay, so plumbing is a very nice profession. It's not a very... Um, fancy profession. It's a bit of a dirty profession and a hard-working um, profession, but um, one makes an honest buck out of plumbing, and um, it all works out good in the end. Um, a very important thing to to understand is that you're working, um, you you're selling yourself. You're working in a, in a service-orientated business. You're not selling a product or selling anything. You selling yourself basically, and um, that's. That's pretty much what it is. So you would basically take it by person. You wouldn't. You you like your job basically. Very happy. So with you my would job. recommend it to someone. Very much so. And I've got a family of three kids, and I'm proud to say that I haven't missed very many soccer matches or <laughs> swimming galas or netball matches over the years because of my hours that are my own. And um, very very good to spend time with your kids while they're growing up. They really um appreciate it and please God will their children they'll be able be able to do the same thing. I mean, it's definitely time that you'll never get back with your children. That's for sure.
And if you, since you run your own business and you go to all your calls, which I think is amazing, what happens if you get two calls at the same time? So plumbing, running a, a small plumbing business is always difficult with that. It's either, either it rains or it, either it's, there's a drought or, or they're, they're thunderstormed and it's either there's tons of work or there's no work. But when there comes a time that it's, it's really busy, then we have to act smart and we have to split up and I would drop a team at one um, site and then show my face, then move on to the next site and, and, and drop another team and then work between the two teams. That's very interesting. So you would actually go to both? Yes. That's good. I'm the only one who drives in my business. Nobody else drives and anything that, that needs to be bought from the plumbing supplier, I've got to do. So it's good to keep my uh, finger on the pulse and all the controls I can keep in order. It is good. And how can people contact you? Right. So the best way to contact me, I mean, I've got an email address, etc. Um, the best way to contact me is on my cell phone, either via a phone call, a WhatsApp, or an SMS. My phone is on, 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 on my person 24 hours a day, and that's the best way to get hold of me on my cell phone number, which is 082-892-5931. Thank you so much. I really have learned a lot about plumbing. I didn't realize it was such an intricate, complicated job. So thank you for coming. Thanks so much, Bruria. And thank you so much to my guest, David, for coming on my show and teaching me more about plumbing. And thank you to my producer, Mandy, who today is actually her last day producing. Thank you so much for all the shows that you've done for me and all, all the other kids. And we welcome our new producer. Good luck. It's not an easy job. And join us tomorrow for another Kids show, only on 101.9 High FM. This has been Kids for Kids. Bye, kids.